Good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, episode 13 of the In Squash podcast. And uh, I hope you're all doing well uh, this week. I know I'm feeling great. Um, just finished uh, a great week of uh, training myself. I'm going to hit the court uh, pretty soon now. But um, yeah, in the aftermath of uh, recent episodes with uh, Tessney Evans and Paul Cole, I've ramped up my. Uh, training. Uh, Tessney more or less uh, challenged me to uh, get started with uh, uh, her routine, uh, summer routine of 400 meter uh, uh, sprints. So um, I started that uh, about a week and a half or so, two weeks ago, and uh, it was ugly. Uh, I guess that's an understatement, but uh, yeah, it was ugly in the beginning, and it felt even worse um, after the first. Uh, 400 session that I did but uh, since then I've done three more and uh, no real real soreness like after the first one but very difficult and uh, I can feel uh, feel the benefits already and uh, the Paul Cole episode uh, I mean you don't need him on the podcast to to motivate you to get to the gym because you just go to his Facebook page and you can see what he does in the gym and that's motivation in and of itself but just to hear him talk about it uh got me uh, fired up and um, I've really uh, turned it on in terms of the circuit training in the gym uh, trying to prepare or be prepared anyways for uh, foray back into the master circuit so uh, I'm looking to 50 plus uh, as I turn 50 in uh, when do I turn 50 uh, October so I've got another year of uh, 45 plus which uh, I'll have my work cut out for me as I'll be at the end of that, and there'll be some young bucks there uh, still uh, uh, ready to go uh, at 45 and 46 years old. So uh, anyways, I'll be ready for them and uh, ready for the 50-plus uh, next year. But anyways, enough of that. Let's get into this podcast, which was uh, which was fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and, and I know you will. So enjoy episode 13, uh, LJ Anjuma. Episode uh, 13 of the In Squash podcast, and uh, today on the podcast we have uh, the, the Dutch great Lawrence Anjuma, LJ, and um, thanks LJ for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks Gary. It's, uh, it's my first time on a podcast ever, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited. That's great. Well, um, I'll just give a brief uh, bio here. I'll, you have a great resume. Uh, you're the highest, uh, I'll start with this one, uh, the, the highest ranked Dutchman of all time, nine consecutive national titles, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 12 PSA titles, 32 finals, world number nine uh, was your highest ranking, which is, a, which is an impressive uh, feat in 2008, I believe, and you also have wins over uh, Peter Nickel and John White, two world number ones, two great players, and... Uh, and uh, much, much more. I mean, uh, 12, 12 PSA titles, 32 finals. That's incredible. Uh, how, uh, it's been close to a year since you've retired, LJ. Uh, how's life after squash been treating it? Yeah, um, it's been interesting, Gary. Very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the moment I retired, it felt like a warm bath. You know, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was beautiful. Not uh, pushing the body uh, so hard every day. Uh, not travel so much, not fighting jet lags all the time. Um, so that was great. Um, but then last year I, <laughs> I started, uh, you know, I, I, I got a job 
and then before I knew it, I was sort of uh, stuck in in office life. Right. Um, yeah, totally different life, and yeah, that that had uh, absolutely uh, its challenges. Uh, it was was pretty challenging. Uh, Sitting behind the desk, are you? Sitting, sitting behind a desk, I was a, I was a team performance coach um, at a consultancy firm. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I basically got a job at uh, ABN AMRO, the big Dutch bank, and I was uh, coaching a team there. Um, but yeah, after a few months, I found out that I have uh, zero interest in IT. <laughs> um yeah no i mean it it was it was it, it was interesting you know um the, the big difference between uh office life and life as an athlete is that as an athlete you you work very hard uh you train very hard for an hour for two hours um then in the afternoon you do the same but anything in between the, those hours or before or after is like total uh, relaxation you know you do whatever you want you relax you uh, I don't know you, you don't think about uh, work <laughs> right. anymore but then office life it's like getting up at 6 a.m. stand in the traffic jam for an hour and a half get to the office <laughs> at 8 30 10 cups of coffee 10 cups of coffee <laughs> and then it's a it's a, it's a very long day and then at the end of the day you stand in traffic jam again do the same thing all over again and then there's only two hours left in a day you know to yeah. i don't know go to the gym or work out and 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 during those hours at the office um there's no rest you know there's it's it's not obviously not as intense as being an, an athlete but you're switched on all the time and at a lunch break, you, you're probably having lunch with colleagues um, and you, you talk about work again, you know? So yeah. it's, it, it was a very different uh, level of fatigue, <laughs> yeah. but I was, I was exhausted, especially in the beginning. Mm. Uh, um, I actually used to work for a, a Dutch company uh, myself in, in Eindhoven. I was based in Seoul, Korea, but uh, I visited Eindhoven. I was in, the, in their... Uh, training really? department maybe uh, slightly different to what you're doing philips no uh, asml connect okay to, uh, they're they're a side uh, line of philips yeah okay yeah but uh, i mean and in that job it'd be interesting did you were you able to uh, tap in obviously the the company wanted you to tap into your your profession in squash and how you you trained and came uh, became successful yourself uh, how did how were you able to transfer that knowledge into the, the banking industry? Um, well, where, where did you find it difficult? Well, that was actually the whole idea of the consultancy firm that hired me. You know, they they had the idea of uh, hiring former athletes yeah. um, and basically um, make them uh, turn them into performance coaches. You know, they 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 figured. As an athlete, you have these qualities of uh, being able to analyze situations and to always look for improvements. You know, uh, as an athlete, you, you know if if you can only improve one percent here and there, it's it's one percent. You know, and you, you do it. Um, so they figured, you know, this this quality is great to have as a coach. You know, um, and it 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 sounded great, um, and this is also why I fell fell for it you know I, I fell for the job i thought you know this is could really be interesting yeah 
Um, but yeah, when I, when I started and, you know, when I got into the job, um, I also realized there are a lot of big differences between life as an athlete and, uh, and life in an office. Um, and yeah, th those differences, like the one I just mentioned, you know, of being switched on the whole day for, uh, for eight hours instead of uh, two or three or four hours really intensely. Yeah. That was a big difference. Um, and yeah, you know, you, you work with people who, yeah, sometimes... That's, uh, what they're That's what they're trained to do. They're trained to, uh, to work in the corporate industry, aren't they? And uh, you come in and it's a different dynamic, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different dynamic and sometimes people, yeah, they don't work uh, that hard, you know, or they turn up late or, um, you know, I, I also, Gary, which is a massive difference is I, I, I'm an individual athlete, you know, you're, you're like a, as a squash player, you're a solo artist and now I right. suddenly have to perform in a team, you know, like, I mean, I was the coach of the team, but still, you know, you have to... Uh, work with uh, six seven people every day and yeah that's that has its uh, challenges you know i was always used to doing things on my own if i wanted this i did it if i wanted that i did it you know um without really consulting anyone else you know and now you suddenly have to yeah uh make sure that the whole team agrees you know get everyone on the same side you know so that was quite hard i guess that's uh, the growing pains after uh, the pro squash career right <laughs> yeah that's right that's right yeah well let's uh let's take a look back let's uh take a look back to the uh to the beginning uh, um i know your father was a, a pro squash player himself um so could you uh could you tell us what it must have been like growing up the son of a squ uh, squash pro and uh obviously he had great influence on you from what i've Red, um, how did he uh, impact your game and your development in, in those early years and throughout your career? Yeah, my dad was a 12-time national champion in the 70s. Um, and yeah, he, he brought me to the squash court when I was four or five years old. And it started very, you know, he just took me to the court and I, I watched him play. And soon enough, you know, after he was finished playing, you know, he said, okay, uh, LJ, come on court, you can uh, hit some balls. <laughs> so, so, you know, it started a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he never pushed me in any way, but um, I do realize now, if I look back, you know, um, the fundamentals of thinking like a pro were already put in place there. Um, right. You know, because he, 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 never, he never said do this, do that. But he said, if, if you want to be the best, you have to train, 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 train. You have to practice, 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 you know. So he never said that I had to do it. But that if you want this, you have to, you have to, you have to train. And yeah, I, I took it quite uh, uh, literal. How do you say it? I took it yeah. quite, you know. Literally, and, yeah. Literally. And uh, yeah, so when I was at high school, I, when I had a break of 50 minutes, I calculated that if I would cycle from high school to the squash club as fast as I could, it would take me 10 minutes. So 10 minutes there and back. So it's 20. <laughs> so 20 minutes of the 50 are gone. I need eight minutes in the changing room to, to, uh, to change. 
So I have 22 minutes left to train, which is a massive amount of time because I can hit 11 minutes on my backhand and I can hit 11 minutes on my forehand. And then I would, and then I would uh, rush back to school and I would just be in time for the next, uh, next lesson. You know, so, so. I mean, uh, obviously, I mean, that, that type of uh, thinking, that type of organization at that young of an age, I mean, that's obviously, you must have taken that to another level when you, when you got, when you turned pro <laughs> in terms of organ- yeah. that, that type of uh, thinking. Yeah, I mean, when I was a pro, it was a lot easier because <laughs> you had yeah. the whole day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, and it's also well known that you, uh, uh, we talked to before we started earlier, uh, uh, your relationship with, uh, with Neil Harvey. Uh, it meant a lot to you both uh, on a personal and a uh, professional level. Uh, can you tell us about your, your partnership and your relationship uh, with Neil? And where it started and and how it grew. Uh, it, it it was uh, really special because m- my parents they when I was seventeen, eighteen years old and about to finish high school, they asked me over and over again, LJ, what do you want to do uh, after school? What, what do you want to do with your life? And I kept on saying, I want to be a pro squash player. You know, so in the beginning, they they wanted to persuade me a little bit, like don't you really want to go to university? You know, you should maybe study. But after so many times of saying, I want to become a squash pro, they said, they, they suddenly, they realized, okay, this guy's got a passion and we're gonna, we're gonna uh, support him, you know? So my yeah. dad asked LJ, I remember this, we were sitting at the kitchen table. He says, LJ, who's the world number one? I said, Peter Nickel. And Peter Nickel was uh, a big poster above my bed. You know, I, I, I cut out all the, uh, you know, of the squash magazine. I cut out all the pictures and Peter Nickel was my hero, you know, my idol. So he was above my bed. Yeah. And then he said, my dad said, uh, who's his coach? I said, well, I don't know. I don't know. So my dad gave, gave me an assignment. He said, okay, find out who Peter Nichols coach is. And you call the guy and you, uh, you ask him if you can train there. And um, yeah, so what was your uh, your level at that time? What was, would you have been number one junior in in uh, Holland? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought I was a pretty big deal. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was number one in the country, you know. And when you're 17, 18 years old, it feels amazing, right? So um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I, uh, I found out uh, Neil Harvey's number. I, I called him, and then. Yeah, to cut a long story short, uh, six months later, I I was there and I lived I lived there for five years. Oh wow! And okay. yeah, for five that years. Was in um, where was it again? Where where was he based out of? He uh... was based. He's based in Chingford, um, right. which is a rather dull village outside of London. Um, and yeah, it, it was a culture shock to me, you know, I mean, Amsterdam, London is only a 45 minute flight, but uh, Holland and England are two very different countries. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, I mean, Neil had a setup there, which is brilliant. He had maybe seven, eight players, uh, top players, including Nicole, uh, Ong Beng Hee, uh, Peter Jennifer, Tim Garner, um, and Aslan Iskandar. Ritik Bhattacharya, so so very yeah, wow, good yeah. group of players, and uh, yeah, the setup was very easy. You know, uh, 
you train uh, six days a week. You turn up at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning or the, the first session starts at 10 and the second starts at 4. Um, and Neil was a very tough um, coach. He was very strict. Um, yeah. He had very clear uh, morals and values. Uh, you know, like never be late. Yeah. Very simple, you know, don't be late. You know, I mean, the session would start at 10. If you were there one minute late, uh, for every one minute you were late, you had to do 10 court sprints. So, so what you know. Mo- what was the most uh, court sprints you ever had to do? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I completely can't remember. <laughs> okay. No, so, so I, was, I was so scared of doing those court sprints. I was there always half an hour before, you know, like Brilliant. Yeah. Be, being, being late was not, not a question anymore. Not Everyone was in time. Yeah. And um, yeah, but other morals and values, they, they, they sound very simple now, obviously, but um, always giving 100%, you know, 100%. Yeah. We actually signed a contract. When you go on court, you always give 100%. And um, yeah, pay attention to the smallest details. You know, it's it's about the details that make uh, players top players. You know, they do the same exercises, they do the same routines as any amateur, but they do the exercises better because they they pay attention to smaller details. Yeah. So yeah, so, you know, so on the one hand, he was very strict, very tough. But then on a Friday afternoon, he would uh, open the door to his house. He would uh, prepare a big barbecue. Yeah, he likes to would, cook, I gather. He, lo- he loves it. He loves it. And he, he would invite all the players and uh, we would have a drink and uh, sort of uh, celebrate the week's training. And we wouldn't talk about uh, the, 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 the horrible court sprints and physical sessions we, 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 we had to do. So you must, I mean, when you first arrived there, uh, uh, Peter was there as well. Yeah. So you you must have been awestruck at, <laughs> to show uh, up and there. There's uh, Peter Nickel and all, all of these uh, guys, and and now it's uh, now I'm here. I I, I was awestruck. Um, I was so um, yeah proud to be training at the same club as Peter Nickel. You know, I think the first six months Neil didn't let me go on court with Peter. Um, but you know, there were four courts, so he might be on the center court and I was on the back court, but I was already happy enough to be in a sort of in the same session, you know? Right. And then after six months, I think I could go on court with him, uh, uh, once, you know, and then it it started to increase a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, do, do you realize what, what happens to you mentally, you know, if you go from being an 18 year old Dutch junior um, and then going to the place where the world number one trains and then in the end going on court with the guy and then going on court with him more regular, uh, you know, when you then go back to Holland after a year or two years to play the national championships, you're not that impressed anymore. You know, you're not that impressed anymore by the champions of your country because they were, they happened to be Dutch champion. Because you, you think, well, I, I, I train with Peter Nichol and I, I, I won two points of him last week. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. When you first arrived there, um, what, um, uh, Neil, have you work on? Like sort of what did he identify in your game as something that he felt that would take you to uh, the level that you eventually got to? Um, I think... Um, 
I think he saw um, strength in my uh, my physical ability. Yeah. Um, and he was always a big believer in having a very, very strong, solid, basic game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might sound boring, uh, but I mean, till this day, uh, I'm 35 now. I don't train that much anymore. But yeah, because I, I have a really solid basic game uh, on my bad day i can still beat so many players uh, because the basic game is in place you know and as an 18 year old junior i was playing super fast volleying everything um going for shots here and there um and you know they might come off sometimes but um yeah what 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 i learned there was uh yeah basically having this really solid uh, fundament you know to fall back on that. yeah uh when you when as a junior and as a uh, uh pro player uh, well no i think um uh, you know i think to be honest when i was uh, younger i was maybe more attacking okay. um when i was a junior maybe and I could have taken that another way. Uh, for example, uh, I could have gone to Egypt and trained with Egyptians there and maybe turn into a totally different player. And I might uh, also have made it, you know, or I might have even been better yeah. or, or not broken through, you know. Um, I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, but what happened now, I went to England. I learned a very uh, solid basic game and yeah. then i started i started to build on that um so um yeah i mean i feel that the last five six years of my career i also worked with uh, my dutch coach here uh, lucas bout yeah. and we uh, we worked on a lot of uh, variations and um yeah playing a more three-dimensional game so more more lobs more boasts um yeah more more variations you know and i think that on top of the basic game i had uh got me uh to the top 10 well it was probably uh you know maybe what you needed wasn't it because you had the the offensive uh game as a junior then you built up upon that uh tremendously under neil's uh wing and then uh you went back maybe a bit to your a more attacking style yeah, you know, you know, Gary. It's uh, I've I've had this conversation with uh, Shabana um, once. You know, people always talk about playing offensive or defensive. You know, um, good squash is playing the right shot at the right time, and if that means that you have to hit the ball to the back thirty times, then then that's good squash, you know? That's not either defensive or offensive, you know? You can hit offensive to the back and you can hit defense to, defensive to the front. Um, so I, I think that there, is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of nuances that people don't see, you know? It's either if they see a nick, it's offensive, and if they see a, a, a slow lob, it's, it's, it's uh, defensive, you know? So uh, I think there's a lot more to it. Yeah, words of wisdom uh, from Shabana, uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah he's yeah. i mean if i have a league match uh, before every league match i try to watch him <laughs> try to watch him play i mean he's so smooth and just like you said just he plays the right shot at the at the right time all the time it seems yeah yeah well i mean he's he's great uh 
I mean, I used to watch him before I went on court, um, <laughs> and not even when I played him. <laughs> not yeah, only right, when right. I played him. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that that's uh, that's great. So obviously, uh, I mean, Neil had a, a tremendous impact on you as a player, but also uh, per, on a personal level as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, man. I mean, the guy. The guy, the guy motivated me. You know, he could he could really inspire me. Uh, I was 18. I was hungry. I I wanted to be world number one. Um, I was with the right coach. I was with the right group of uh, players, and he knew exactly what made me tick. You know, and he knew exactly what to say to to get the best out of me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember one day, Gary, I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, so the first six months I was in Chingford, this boring village where it always rained. Yeah. Um, I, I, was, I was staying with a uh, with, uh, with billet, you know, with, with a family. Yeah. And it was a working class family. So they, they sort of uh, left their extra room in the house because they could make a few extra bucks, you know. And it was a very small room. And every day I had to walk for half an hour to the squash club. Uh, which is not a problem, but if you if you do two sessions every day and you go home in between, you're already walking for two hours a day yeah. without having <laughs> trained at all, you know. So after six <laughs> months, six months of training, um, I was exhausted, exhausted. You know, I mean, for the first time in my life, I trained five, six days a week, twice a day, not not only three times a week uh, at a Dutch club with some Dutch amateurs. But right. really, at a pro level, at a different intensity, and after six months, I, I was just uh, mentally, physically broken, you know. So I said to Neil, um, "Harvs, can I, uh, can I have a chat with you?" Um, I, I, I thought long about before asking him, you know. But I said, yeah. Yeah, shall I bring this up?" Um, you know, but then I thought, of course, I bring it up. You know, he's he's my coach too. You know, I don't care. He's the coach of the world champion. Exactly. He's my coach too. Yeah. I said, sure, LJ. Uh, what's uh, what's on your mind? So we we sat down in the clubhouse before the session started, and I said, well, ours, um, I'm I'm exhausted, man. I'm I I'm not hitting the ball properly anymore. Uh, we, we're changing my technique. Uh, physically, uh, I'm exhausted. Um, every day I have to walk or for two hours to the club, um, up and down, you know, um, I'm not winning any league matches. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm training at a different intensity. Um, I, I, I don't this, uh, LJ, what year? Yeah, this, this was, I think after this was when I was 19. So it must have okay. been 2001, 2002. Okay. And then, uh, I said, I'm, I'm not sure if this is, uh, the life for me. And then, then he uh, looked at me and he said, grow up. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah. he uh, stood up and he walked to the courts and he uh, looked over his shoulder and he, and he said, uh, I see you at the courts in five minutes. And so it was like an unbelievable uh, slap in the face, obviously, you know, but I, I went to the changing room. And I, I, I wet my face, I looked in the mirror and said, okay, fuck, you know, I'm going to do the best session ever now, you know. So yeah. I walked to the court and I, I, I put, I, I did one of the best training sessions I'd ever done till that time. And within an hour, my whole mindset had changed from, yeah, being uh, depressed and about to uh, quit 
to being super motivated and being back on track, you know? Well, that's incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is also why he was such a great coach because uh, it wouldn't work with anyone, with everyone, you know, but um, he do you, knew. Do you when... think he probably saw that coming? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that, that I mean, and then uh, from then on, it was full, uh, you know, pedal to the metal. So <laughs> yeah, pedal to the metal. But um, this, this, uh, this, this uh, little instance, uh, it, it taught me a lot because you, you, you encounter this in life uh, many yeah. times. You know that people, friends, family, uh, girlfriends, uh, you name it. That that uh, they're having a hard time, and they actually want your empathy. You know, like oh, I'm struggling. You know, and then it's very human to also go down to that level and say, oh, so what's wrong, you know, uh, tell me about it. And you let the other one speak. So you actually feed them in their uh, uh, misery, right, you know. But, right. but Neil was so clever, he said, grow up, you know. So he, he just kept his ground and he said to me, well, you, uh, you come back when you feel ready again, you know. And, and yeah, within, within an hour, I was, I was back on track. That's a, that's a great story. And uh, it probably uh, resulted in, as I mentioned earlier, 12 PSA titles, 32 final appearances, 182 tournaments in total. Uh, looking back, uh, LJ, what do you think uh, of your uh, pro squash career? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that um, I feel really good about it. Um, when I retired last year, it, it was... A bit of an, an ugly end you know but I didn't focus on the end I was happy with the way I did for 15 years uh, I reached top 10 in the world I, I really think I got the most out of my career you know with the with yeah. the talent I had I think number nine was yeah I'm, I'm proud man I'm, I'm proud absolutely uh, yeah so, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah you did I mean you had such a I mean 12 titles 32 finals that, that's 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 impressive that's a bad record, man. That's not a lot of uh, well, no, <laughs> finals won. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but okay. <laughs> no, but you know, 12 titles just to get to 32 finals. So uh, it's incredible. And those are probably uh, finals of uh, you know, relatively uh, decent-sized tournaments as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I was always really good in semifinals. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I've got one. Uh, can you choose a, a highlight amongst all of this, uh, you know, all of your, your resume, the, the, the accomplishments that you had? Uh, is there any one uh, win or one event or one moment that, that you would consider uh, one yeah. of your favorite moments in your career? Yeah, it's it's uh, you, you mentioned it a bit earlier, but um, it's also sad in a way to always go back to 2005. It's bloody uh, <laughs> 12 years, <laughs> 13 years ago now. Yeah, yeah, well, but, uh, yeah it, it was happened. In, yeah, it, it happened. Yeah, it was in the beginning of my beginning of my career, and in one week, I beat uh, Peter Nichol and John White, um, and I hadn't beaten anyone of that uh, caliber before. Um, so uh, obviously I was training in England with, with, with Nickel, um, and then I played him in Chicago. Uh, I, I think I had to qualify, I qualified for the event and the windy city was it windy city. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I remember 
the, on, the only thing I was thinking before the match was, uh, I hope I don't look like a fool in front of these people, you know, uh, just, just stay in the rally, you know, just stay in the rally. Don't, don't try to be smart. Just stay in the rally. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think I got into a, a zone or, um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it just happened for me. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then the week after I beat John White, uh, in a separate, uh, separate event, wasn't it? In a separate event. He might've been tired. He, he, cause he won the tournament in Chicago, but after that week, you know, and it sounds like such a cliche. Well, you had qualifying in Chicago too. So you both would have been tired. Both, both tired, but, yeah. but, uh, you know, I, I had two massive wins in, in one week. And after that week, I, I thought, uh, so there, there's no excuse now to lose to anyone anymore, anymore. You know, if Absolutely. you lose, to, if you lose to someone, even if he's number four in the world, it's because you didn't do the right things at the right time. It's not because you're not there yet because you, you, you can do it. Um, and that, that, that little change of mindset, it makes you suddenly a lot more dangerous. Absolutely. Now, I mean, we all know uh, how great Peter was. I always loved watching him play. Uh, you know, he, his offensive game, uh, to me, is underestimated. I mean, he, he was so tricky in the front court with that little uh, backhand uh, flick. You never knew uh, when that was coming. But yeah. um, uh, I, I'd just like to know what it was like to play uh, like a guy like John White. <laughs> that was fun. It was always yeah. fun. <laughs> I remember playing him in the first round of the World Open in Egypt. Um, and um, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember it was, it, we didn't play on a glass court. We played on a backcourt somewhere and it was uh, very hot. And uh -oh. <laughs> at 10-0 in the fifth, uh, the ball broke. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. So <laughs> we had to start with a new ball. And then uh, I didn't see the I didn't see the ball for two points after that, and I should, had to shake his hand. <laughs> he, he, he had like three skid boats in a row, which I couldn't see, and then uh, then I was over. Yeah, I mean the shots that he can come up with in the in the uh, the real estate that he covers on court with those uh, those lunges is incredible. Yeah, and I I remember now now you mention it because um, he could hit so hard from the back of the court. Yeah. Um, he used to hold the racket only in three fingers, right? So only his uh, index finger, his middle finger, and his thumb. Okay, I didn't so know that. Really, really loose. So he could really use it like a whip. Yeah. And he used to hit it so hard that you could get the ball to the back, you know, barely. But then if he suddenly decided to hit a boast, which looked exactly the same, his, his, his windup looked exactly the same, and he didn't go for the little two-wall boast. No, it was a three-wall nick boast. Yeah. You suddenly, you were two meters behind the tee and you had to dive to the, the front corner, which is a very <laughs> awkward movement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and he used to love to play that, uh, that corkscrew uh, uh, shot from the, fr uh, the front left or front right corner that, that would uh, slide along the back wall. Um, well, he, he used to do it uh, from the back, from the backcourt as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so you would just have a a, a rally down the, for example, down the forehand side. Yeah. Um, and then he would, uh, yeah, suddenly just smack it, and he would it used to hit it with a bit of topspin. So the moment it hit the side wall, so it hits the side wall very close to the front wall, right, almost in the in the crack, yeah. but just on the side wall. And because he hit it with spin, 
the ball accelerates and it accelerates onto the front wall and then it accelerates even yeah to the opposite corner you know so yes. uh, yeah it's, it's like a, you get a heart attack when you stand yeah. on the tee well uh, you managed to uh to overcome that uh, uh in 2005 anyways and i'm sure you uh you had a few more big victories after that um i'm gonna take a look at I've got I've got a question for you here. What what another one? <laughs> what was it? Oh, Canada, man. I mean, uh, I was just wondering, like, do you uh, do you like denim and maple syrup or something? Because you have you have quite a few victories uh, in Canada: the Calgary Rocky Mountain Open, the the Blue Notes Classic, the the Manitoba Open, Northern Ontario finalist twice. Uh, what was it about uh, Canada yeah. that, that brought the best out in you? The maple syrup, I guess. <laughs> I I, uh, I never even thought about it like that. Now you mentioned all those results um, in a row because um, they're all, all obviously different years. Um, I, I never reali realized it like that. But I, I mean, mean you, you have 12 PSA titles. There's four of them. <laughs> and 11 of them are in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, really? No way. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I think you know you need to be you need to be very comfortable where you are to get the best out of yourself. You know, um, I was never really comfortable in Asia. Uh, never played my best squash there, but uh, in Canada, I felt uh, really at home uh, when I stayed with Harves in Halifax. He, he uh, you know, it was like a second home. Yeah. So I was so so relaxed. You don't waste any excess energy. You're also, yeah, relax. You, you make jokes, you know, it's like having a normal life and you play a match in the evening. Um, yeah, that's very different than being uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, where you, you eat food you haven't eaten before and everything is different and the temperatures are different, um, you know. Um, yeah, and the Canadians are a bit like the Dutch, I think, as well. Yeah, pretty laid back. Yeah. Yeah, laid back and uh, they have a funny sense of humor. So, good people. Pretty damn cold in Manitoba, though. Yeah, man, I, I really don't care about the cold, man. I, I, think, uh, I think the cold is good for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, quite, I quite enjoy it, uh, the cold. And uh, if, you're, if you uh, like your skiing, then, uh, then the Rocky Mountain Open would have uh, been appealing as well. Yeah, what was it? The Rocky Mountain? Um, you mean in Calgary? Calgary, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you won I remember. Um, I don't think I did. Um, I played three tournaments head to head in Canada in 2011. Okay. Um, I played to Montreal, Winnipeg, and Calgary. And this was my longest winning streak because I, I won the tournament of Montreal, I won Winnipeg, and then I reached the semis in Calgary, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. That was a great. Uh, a good run for you. Yeah, good run. Good yeah. run. Fantastic. And I guess, um, well, you retired, I guess it's almost a year now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I found this quote, if you don't mind me uh, quote, quoting you here. You said, um, there's a fine line between heroically trying to achieve something or repeatedly banging your head against the wall. Yeah. So you said obviously this was uh, right around, or maybe at the time you decided to retire. So what exactly uh, what were you going through at the time? I mean, it's yeah. a quote, but uh, 
Um, well, I, I, I had a foot injury. Um, I got surgery. I was out for three, four months. But then when I got back, when I was sort of uh, totally uh, recovered, it was the end of the season. So you, you, you're, you're back, you're fully fit, but now you have three months of no tournaments. So, yeah, I, I uh, went to Colorado, trained in the Rocky Mountains, and then I started training in Holland again in the, the month before the season started. And then I started feeling my foot again, you know, because yeah. uh, I did so much off-court training in the mountains that uh, my foot obviously wasn't used to that. Um, Is that your, your ankle, my, LJ? Yeah, my, my, my ankle, my ankle. Okay. So then, uh, then before I knew it, the, the, the season started and i was super fit but i couldn't uh, couldn't walk you know or i couldn't uh, couldn't uh, like take off you know from the tee i couldn't uh, couldn't couldn't move on the squash court and uh, you know after yeah i mean it got better during the season when the season started it sort of recovered but yeah i i also realized i was sitting in a coffee in a coffee place in chicago for the so manyth time, you know, uh, yeah. people don't realize, but when you've been on tour for 15 years, you've played every tournament 15 times. So you're in the same coffee place in Chicago for the 15th year. You're in the same club for the 15th year. You're in the same hotel for the 15th year. And, and I was sort of, my ranking moved back from 15 to 50. Oh yeah. And, and, and I, I had to qualify again, you know, and qualifying means getting to the tournament a week earlier, paying everything yourself, paying the hotel. Um, and I, I, I couldn't get through qualifying anymore, you know. And then, and then it started to dawn on me more and more, uh, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right. And it, it, to me, it, it wasn't worth it anymore, you know. And, and, and this is why I said that quote. Um, yeah, you know, you see what the difference between insane and genius is only measured by success. So if you <laughs> if you keep try if you keep yeah. trying, and you, suddenly you break through. You say, "Yeah, the guy is a genius," you know, or this is the best comeback ever. Right. But um, yeah, I, uh, it basically comes down to the fact that uh, I didn't believe it would happen anymore, and that if it would happen, I would ne I would never be better than uh, number nine in the world again. And right. yeah, I, yeah. I, well, I mean, you, I mean, you had a great career, and you weren't that far removed from the good those good days so it sounds to me like you uh i mean you you were at peace once you did decide to uh to make that decision well th that was one thing um that i was really sort of happy about is that when the doctor told me you have this bone spur in your foot and we you have to operate you know it has to be removed you have to have the surgery otherwise you you know i mean it was obvious. I, it was painful. I, I couldn't. I couldn't push off anymore. Right. Was um, that was that a uh, heel spur or it was in your ankle? Was it? Yeah, in my ankle. In okay. my ankle. It, it's sort of when two bones um, consistently uh, rub over each other or hit each other because of the the, the impact. Yeah. Um, your your body produces extra calcium. And um, yeah, it, it turns into a, a bone spur. And I think every athlete, every athlete, every squash player has a bone spur in their foot. Yeah, uh, I, I had one even. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's in the heel, the heel spur. Did you get it removed? Painful. Holy moly. Yeah, very painful. Did you get it removed? 
No, I've uh, I did all sorts of act. You know, you roll a golf ball up and down, ice it. Uh, it still it still bothers me, but um, it's not as bad as it was. But I'm not playing as much as I used to either. So yeah, yeah. But the the thing was so so basically the guy. Uh, it was obvious I had to do the surgery, and I I also could have retired then and there. You know, I was 33. Yeah. The the Dutch Olympic Committee wouldn't support me anymore. So I could have thrown in the towel there, but uh, I, I, there was not one brain cell in my head that that uh, really took that option serious because I thought, you know, I'm gonna be the, the I'm gonna be a great older athlete. You know, I'm gonna do this, and right. um, I'm gonna be smarter with the way I train, smarter with the way I play. So um, you know, this is my comeback. You know, um, and I'm really happy that I. Uh, I, I tried it, you know, because now, yeah. now, now, at least I bang my head against the wall, and I'm really at peace with the decision. But if I would have thrown in the towel right then and there, I, I might have regretted it. Yeah, you would have been second guessing yourself a lot. So, uh, yeah, you did the right thing, it seems to me as well. And you had a great career, LJ. So, uh, you know, we're we're all the better for having you uh, as a pro on the squash tour. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Thanks. Yeah, cheers. Uh, I just wanted to, I mean, obviously, you're, you're a creative uh, guy. Just by talking to you, I, I can tell there, there's a lot of creative juices flowing there. You've got your, uh, your own, uh, I guess it's a blog website, isn't it? And uh, uh, I was reading a little bit. Uh, I, I noticed it a while back, but I, uh, researching for this, I started reading some of your stuff. And I'm just wondering, uh, I mean, you've got quite a few uh, write-ups there. And your latest piece... I thought was pretty cool. Uh, just can you tell us about this lunatic uh, that you let into your house? <laughs> the, the lunatic I let the, into the my lunatic house. who who you thought might kill you. <laughs> um, saved by the dog, right? Saved by the dog. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. I think yeah, I think it was a little a little piece about the dogs, right? Because. Yeah, about yeah, your girlfriend's yeah. dogs, or uh, uh, yeah, my, yeah, my girlfriend uh, moved in, and then uh, before I knew it, uh, her two dogs followed her. Obviously, you know, so <laughs> it, it, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, from going, from being an athlete, uh, traveling around the world on your own all the time, to suddenly uh, sitting at home with two dogs underneath your armpits, sort of um, domesticated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, domesticated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so this I, guy, this guy shows up at your apartment, uh, uh, wanting to buy your iPhone or something, and yeah, and they and they just, uh, yeah, they just sense it, you know, like like the guy uh, makes a movement to the dog, and he's so he's so uh, sure of himself, you know, that the dog just happily uh, licks his hand, you know, and he's like totally, he said, oh, this is good, good people, good people, you know, and the guy got a tattoo in his neck, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not, not, not that they necessarily bad people, but you know what I mean? Like dogs, right. they, 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 I don't know, they react. So they, they were feeding people. the beast. <laughs> yeah, they're feeding the beast. <laughs> <laughs> But LJ, I mean, the, the stuff on you, I mean, a lot of people may not be aware of it, uh, or maybe they are, I'm not sure, but uh, some really good reading there as well. Um, are you going to continue uh, with your writing? Yeah, I'm, so this is what I'm doing now, uh, Gary. I'm, 
um, I'm following a, a course and doing a study. Uh, I'm doing the, the Writers Academy. Okay. Um, and I'm actually writing a book at the moment. Um, oh, great! So this is also why I haven't been writing that many blogs is this lately. A creative uh, writing, like a, a fiction. Fiction, man. Yeah, like a, a novel. I'm okay, writing. fantastic. Yeah. And when, uh, how how long is this project? Do you think it will? Uh, how long do you think it will uh, take before you? Uh, I think. Uh, I think publish the, it. I think the book will be out um, hopefully end of this year. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, excited. You know, I, this is what I do every day now. I write six, seven hours every day. Um, I read Stephen King's book uh, on writing, so he gives okay. uh, young young writers he gives them uh, tips. Is that a good? And, that's a good read, is it? Fantastic, fantastic. Okay. Uh, so he obviously gives technical uh, tips, but he also says, um, as a writer. Uh, don't wait for inspiration you know you, you can wait all day all week for inspiration and nothing happens you know it's it's just discipline you know it's just about shut the, about shutting the door at nine and uh, not coming out till you've written uh, a thousand words you know so uh, this is what i do every day now and that's sort of how you feed your creativity you just get used to uh yeah to 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 being on your own and sitting behind this the screen and to uh yeah to 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 create something um can you give us some uh, a little spoiler or uh yeah uh i can give you a spoiler um the book is about um a guy who's from the uh, poor part of amsterdam from uh, like the rough part of amsterdam and one night he goes to a party and he ends up uh finding a bag of uh 60 kilograms of cocaine on the beach in Zandvoort. Okay. And he decides to sell the content on the dark web. He doesn't tell anyone about it, uh, not even his best friend. Um, and he becomes very rich in a very short period of time. And at the same time, he has this double life where he pretends to be struggling just like his childhood friends. Um, oh. And this is where I'm at at the moment. Oh, that's, yeah. uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to... Uh, to it coming out what uh, we could probably uh, see it on your website when it's ready yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i mean yeah. you'll you'll be uh, the advertising it there yeah i mean uh, i'm writing it uh, in dutch okay um so yeah i mean i have to find there'll be it. an english version i hope yeah of course i mean or of course uh, first i need to find a publisher in holland yeah and um, yeah, if I do, uh, I'll obviously try to get it into English. Um, yeah. Okay, great. I mean, you, you have a, a lot of fans out there in the squash community. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a, there'll be a market for it. Yeah. The, the thing is, Gary, I I noticed with my blogs, um, the moment I write about squash. Uh, that's what people really enjoy because they, they know me as LJ, the squash player, you know? So if I write a blog about me playing squash with my dad, I get a lot of hits. Uh, but if I write about my experience in a, in a cafe um, as a barista, uh, it doesn't get that many hits, you know? Or I don't, just, at a certain point, it was quite obvious to me that, um, yeah, if I wrote about the, the simple things, uh, squash, you know, people know me, LJ, squash. Yeah. then it gets a lot of hits. And, but if yeah, you write, and now suddenly I write a novel, fiction, 
um, it's a totally different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I guess uh, you're going to have to stick to it and, and uh, you know, stick with what you want to do. And um, yeah. Wish you good luck uh, uh, with the, the remaining uh, days of the writing process and looking forward to uh, to the English, well, looking forward to the Dutch version. I, I have friends uh, in, uh, in Holland myself, so I can get, maybe I'll get them to uh, translate it for me. <laughs> For you, but LJ, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. Any uh, any parting words before uh, before we uh, part ways? Any part? No, uh, I just want to say to everyone: keep enjoying uh, this beautiful game. Yeah. Um, I still do. You know, I play a little bit less, but every time I play, my yeah, my body feels great you know after i play if i haven't played for a while and i play again it, it feels it feels great you know so um yeah, yeah keep just feel, you feel so light after don't you i know i know i mean there's a fine line as well between feeling great and feeling terrible so i mean if you if you play too much uh, you know you start getting aches and pains but if you yeah play the right amount of times each week uh, it's yeah it's uh, you feel fantastic yeah well, LJ, thanks a lot. Thanks so much uh, for coming on, and uh, have a have a great trip to Halifax. Enjoy uh, Neil's hospitality. I'm sure uh, he's going to roll out the red carpet for you. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Will do. Thanks, thanks, Gary. Take care, my friend. Yeah, thank you. You too. Cheers. Cheers. Well, thanks uh, once again, LJ, uh, for a great chat on on the podcast this week. Uh, we had a good, uh, good chat about just about everything. Some really uh, interesting uh, uh, stuff there from his past. And, uh, and also we want to wish him all the best as he uh, continues forward with his new book. And uh, that will be coming out uh, soon, we hope, in Dutch to begin with and then hopefully in English. Um, and uh, wish him all the best uh, as he uh, tries to complete that over the next uh, little while. And if you want to get a taste for his writing, just go to uh, Lawrence Anjima, Angema, Lawrence Angema, L-A-U-R-E-N-S-A-N-J-E-M-A.com, Lawrence Angema. And he's got uh, plenty of his uh, creative stuff uh, that he's written over the past little while on there. Uh, some of it uh, is related to squash, but most of it is his own uh, own creative writing, which uh, you'll find very uh, very interesting, funny, and uh, um, I think he's a, obviously he's quite a creative person. So you'll you'll enjoy that. And um, well, in about uh, two hours, I'm off to the squash court today and uh, have a nice hit with a friend of mine, and uh, we usually have good hits, and then we do a bit of training. Uh, both of us um, ramping up for Masters Tournament. Um, I'll be uh, in the 50-plus uh, next year, so I've got my work cut out for me as I have my last year of uh, 45 and over, and my, my partner's in the 55-plus, so uh, and he's really uh, raring to go, so uh, should be a good session today. Anyways, I hope your squash is great as well, and uh, stay tuned. We've got some... Some big podcasts coming up, some more uh, good podcasts, including a uh, British Commonwealth uh, Games uh, member uh, who will be coming on uh, in a few days. So enjoy your squash, and uh, thanks for listening.